0: I I appreciate what you said earlier, too, about one step at a time. Right now, there are, like, so many initiatives, so many things we're supposed to teach with fidelity, so many things, like, adding self-care to our to-do list, like, no, no, just one little step at a time. What's one little thing you can do tomorrow to move toward your own goals? And if you do that every day this year, remarkable things are going to happen.
1: All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. Demiso A. Josie, and like always, we are about bringing you useful information, but this one specifically is for you educators out there, your teachers. beginning of the school years here, hopefully your school years are going well, and people are adjusted back to, I guess I could say the new normal, um, mm-hmm. and you know, dealing with this COVID stuff. So um, I was, of course, back in my favorite place in Lincoln. Um, LinkedIn, sorry, and um, was just looking for some useful information and I stumbled upon somebody that I think has some great information for you uh, educators out there. So uh, she's a principal. Um, I believe she did some speaking. I saw a TEDx on her one time. We'll dive into that as well. Um, But she wrote a book and we'll get to that book as well. Um, Allison, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you for having me.
1: No problem. So um, we're going to dive into always ask why you get got into education because I think it's a, a good story um, to, to begin this podcast off with and, and kind of and maybe inspire somebody who's actually thinking about possibly getting into education and maybe into administration. Kind of tell us your story and why you decided to get into education.
0: I love that you start the podcast off with this, because I think especially now, it's so important to reconnect to why we got into this business in the first place, Um, because we've had a a couple of challenging years and not that the other years are easy, but there's been, as we all know, unique challenges over the past couple of years. But I graduated from high school saying, I don't know what I want to be, but I know I don't want to be a teacher because I never want to step foot in there again as I walked out the doors and I, I didn't know what else to do so I studied business and went to our local community college. And my um, my psychology class was canceled and I had to fill it with something that would meet the same requirement and fit into my schedule at the beginning of my sophomore year of college. So I ended up picking up educational psychology. And I remember the the professor said, how many of you want to be teachers? And everybody in the class, they all wrote, raised their hands except for me. And I you know, I was looking around like, that's the last thing I think I, I wanna be, but I had to do the volunteer work anyway. And I went into my aunt's first grade classroom and I just, I looked at those faces. And honestly, the thought that went through my mind is, oh my gosh, you have 12 years of torture ahead of you where like this joy for learning and this zest for school that you have will be like sucked out of you over the course of um, your elementary into secondary career. And that's where I found my calling. Because mm-hmm. I, I I thought, oh, you sweet kids, not on my watch is mm-hmm. that gonna happen. So um as I work with educators this fall, I have been asking them to sum up their why in six words or less. And my why is four words, not on my watch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mm-hmm. want every student to see to feel valued and seen. And then in my work as a, a leader. Every staff member, every teacher, to feel valued and seen and known.
1: Perfect. Before we get to the whole teacher approach, because I, I love that that concept. The transition from like, why an educational leader? Like, what what clicked at you at that point when you was like, all right, well, I think I want to give this leadership thing a, a try.
0: and Well, somebody asked me. <laughs> um, I became a leader when I was twenty seven. And I, I sh- probably should not have been a leader at that point, because I had a lot of growing up yet to do. Um, but I was the, the most experienced in the particular philosophy in the school. And things had been going pretty well for me. And I was working to support my colleagues. And so I think it was a natural transition for me. Really, it's, it's for me, it's, it's about trying to make a difference in life, the life of others, and that led me to the classroom that led me to being a leader and now the 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 work i do in traveling the country
1: perfect perfect so let's dive into to, to the book a little bit and um i, I found it interesting um because we talk in education we talk about the whole child and we talk about educating the whole child and it never really even dawned on me to think about the whole educator and really really leading the whole educator can you break down what does that mean specifically
0: yeah so um i have done a lot of research and and it's observational research or conversational research or like throwing a blog post out there or a tweet and seeing what sticks, what doesn't, what feedback I get. And then also the the scholarly research that we do as we're developing a concept. But, you know, principals become principals often because they're really great teachers. They're really good at leading children. And it's a whole different artwork, (laughs) The work is so different to be a leader of adults. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with principals who just dread PD days or dread staff meetings because that's not in their wheelhouse. They don't feel comfortable with that. And so I think it's it's we have to be really intentional on becoming solid leaders of adults mm-hmm. to be empathetic and supportive and help the, the, the adults in our building feel whole and seen and known.
1: Right, right. Oftentimes, again, I keep relating to, to the students. We we think about that these students are bringing in all this information and again, I'm to use the word baggage, but their personalities and, and the things their experiences into the classroom. And we as educational leaders, and I'm glad you said art because I do think it is an art form to be an educational leader. Um, but you have the same these people, these adults, are bringing in these same things from the outside, and and we have as as educated leaders, we have to figure out how to be supportive of that, right? And we have to be able to give them not only professional development in terms of how to teach, but also, you know, some mental health. It could be part of mental health. It could be a part of, uh, you know, this... Social emotional learning for educators, too.
0: Exactly. It's exactly. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we adopted in my last principalship, we adopted Leah Kuiper's zones of regulation. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful tool for students, but it almost was more powerful for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, they would be walking into the teacher's lounge, like, hey, everybody, I'm on yellow. I just want you to know that's where I am. And that just increasing that level of self awareness and that understanding the impact of our behavior on others, like that's not natural always for adults either.
1: Right, right. So what's the title of the book and then kind of, I guess, walk us through what you talk about in the book. You don't have to give away all of it because (laughs) it's my book, but give them the the commercial (laughs) version of it.
0: So um, this is actually my fifth book and um, it's called Leading the Whole Teacher, Strategies for Supporting the Educators in Your School. And it's really framed around six pillars of the whole teacher. And um, those were developed over the course of many years and and all that research that I talked about in my 19 years as an an educational leader, um, my experiences as a a teacher. So the six pillars are valued educator, emotional safety, um, continuous learning or professional growth, decision maker. I'm going to forget one um, emotional safety and positive relationships. And when I, when I share those six pillars with staff members, with teachers, because this encompasses all staff, not just teachers. Um, they, it's like this like sigh of relief. Like, yeah, if I went into school and I felt valued And I got to grow in the way I wanted to grow and I had positive relationships and there was an emotional safety and I had a seat at the decision making table. And I think I forgot healthy workload. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If all of those things were in place. Yeah, I would feel whole and well and set to thrive. So, So I knew that like that those six hit the nail on the head
1: absolutely um in all forms of education i think the major part is relationship building mm-hmm. um and then with with my staff what i try to do i call it the adventure club so once a month we pick an adventure that's outside of school that we've never done before um and and we kind of meet and we'll do those adventures started with like the escape room and then we did mm-hmm. some other things um i went to gun range one time and went to games and they, they just started building that that relationship with with the staff There's one they can see me as a human being and not just you know the suit and tie that they see all day long um, but two also once I've developed that relationship when it's time to have difficult conversations with with staff members it's a little bit easier to to digest because I've Built this relationship with them, so all you educator leaders out there, you can steal that one. I put that one on the house. You can take this <laughs> and uh, and, do, and and do that. It's gotten to the point because I've been I've been in multiple districts now. Every teacher say you should just do one for everybody. So I'm kind of getting this idea of of, of bringing teachers together through this concept of
0: I uh, love that
1: club type thing so um relationship building is is huge and uh, you know having an open door policy I think is huge and my staff knows if my door is open they're welcome to come in and then they tell us tell me stuff whether it's personal things and how they feel that day and my job is to figure out how can I make you the best educator in that moment despite whatever you're going through. So however I can be supportive or give you the resources to do that, I think it's important. And I think a lot of educational leaders are missing that are not taking the time to, to really invest in that part of, of um, leadership with their staff. I think it's it's spot on the things that you're trying to do.
0: And and what you're speaking to is a, is a trusting environment Mm -hmm. and so many, Uh, schools I work with or educators I work with, it feels like a us versus them. Mm. And when you have those specific practices, systemic changes, those practices in place, it feels more like a trusting team where we can rely on each other and we're all moving in the same direction, because really, ultimately, we are, it just doesn't feel like that sometimes.
1: Right, right. And you mentioned, like, the the workload piece, too. Um, I think it's important for us as educational leaders. Um, I won't ask my staff to do anything that I won't do myself. Um, well, you know, so I, I try to model that um, for them. And if, if, if it means, you know, they need a couple extra minutes in their prep so I can come teach their class, then guess mm-hmm. what? I'll be in there teaching your class, and I'm not going to give you anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, and then developing a professional development plan with them so that they can grow in the areas that they, they see fit. I kind of let them decide what area that they want. Well, I mean, obviously we have district things that we have to do, but um, there's also space for individual professional development as well. But having those conversations with them and, again, knowing who your staff is is going to, right. to lead you into that that space.
0: Right. And when they when we talk about the healthy workload, it's not just the workload. Um, Teachers kept pushing back on me and saying, it's the worry load also. Mm -hmm. And the the number of things that they feel like are piled on their shoulders on top of their worry about their students and their own family situation. And um, just really looking at how can we reduce that worry load for teachers also.
1: I think a big piece of that, too, is going back to the why, explaining why we, we need to do this particular thing um, and not just, you know, just check a box or whatever the case may be. Once they understand why we are doing it and the benefits of doing what I'm asking them to do, it's, I think that le- lessens the, the, you know, the, the worry factor of, of it as well. And at the end of the day, I tell them all the time, like this is important. But in the grand scheme of things is really not that important. <laughs> like you know <laughs> you're going to come in here to them tomorrow and teach anyway, right? You know I think it's important, but I, I'm not putting that pressure on, you. you
0: yeah, know? keeping things in perspective is so right. yeah valuable
1: right? and you don't have to master it right now <laughs> it's the yes. process, right yes. so i think they i need to you know relax we're gonna roll this out you know nice and slow so that you can um digest it which is important yes um, let's get into you said you wrote this is your fifth book right
0: it is yes
1: and what were some of your other books that you were writing
0: yeah so i started off in 2015 i started a blog called serendipity and education and there's hundreds of blogs Blog posts on there now, so lots of free content and um, many of the things that that I talk about in the book. Um, But that led to my first book, which is called The Path to Serendipity. Um, So, really, my fascination with serendipity started with the 2000 movie. I think it's 2000 or 2001. It's called Serendipity, starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And serendipity means happy accidents. But I really believe that if we go through life looking for Happy accidents and beautiful lessons, and all the things we experience, that we can live a, a more effective and, and more fulfilled life. So, that's my my serendipity thing. And uh, the f- first four books were the the path to serendipity, which is a professional development book. Um, really, like kind of self discovery. Um, uh, and then through the lens of serendipity, helping others discover the best in themselves is like taking those ideas and turning them on the world around us and how we can support students and staff and colleagues. Um, and then I wrote two books for children. One is a picture book called The Princes of Serendip, which tells the origin of the word serendipity. It's a a 16th century Persian tale that I rewrote. And uh, Molly Blaisdell did a beautiful job illustrating it. And then the the other book is called The Serendipity Journal, and that's a middle grade realistic fiction chapter book, which takes many of the, the, the relationship building, uh, understanding the motivation behind our own behavior, really understanding what is within our control and what's not, mm-hmm. um, takes those concepts and puts them in, I think, uh, I hope, a very interesting realistic fiction story that fourth through sixth graders can really relate to.
1: Right. I feel like the serendipity, the first one, it was like the perfect timing for it, right? Like right before the pandemic, right before everyone seen this dark and gloomy world that we live in but yet Mm -hmm. there's still hope that they exist within there Um, which is kind of funny because it's where the camera perspective kind of comes from a little bit in terms of finding and and taking your situation and the negatives in your life and kind of turning it on its ear and using it so that's kind of like where where this whole idea came from so i think like it was perfect timing for that to come out so where can people find uh, those books were um
0: yeah pretty- so they're all on amazon or barnes and noble or they can access them through my website i'm um at allison apsey and AllisonApsy.com. so if you know how to spell my name you can find me on any of the social medias or my website
1: we'll put the link down there so everyone get a chance to make sure that they check oh wonderful uh, sure um there was a uh, had a question. I just lost it for a second. But oh, the publishing piece of it. Did you publish self-publish it or did you go through a publishing company?
0: Yeah. So Dave Burgess Consulting published all but one of my books. They they decided not to venture into the um, realistic fiction chapter book. <laughs> um, so I, I have another publisher for that. But all the all the other um, books were published through DBC, which I'm I'm so grateful for companies like DBC, especially who elevate educator voices so that we can learn and grow together and and inspire each other. So Yeah. yeah, they're pretty incredible to work with.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm going to transition real quick you know, to Teacher's Lounge because we're going to keep this nice and short. So I'm going to be respectful of your time as well. So the Teacher's Lounge is a segment that I have and we have a little bit of fun. If you know anything about the Teacher's Lounge, it's kind of time for the teachers to kind of unwind and <laughs> not really talk about work, apparently, but they still do anyway. So right. let's switch gears a little bit. So I have a, a, a music question for you. So here's the question for you. If music were to stop tomorrow, but you can bring in three artists that will rewrite the course of music, what three artists would you bring to rewrite the course of music going into the future?
0: Tough one. So I I love Motown. I'm like, what, Um, Stevie Wonder? Um, My favorite song is, I think it's, I'm like doubting myself now, but it's called Band of Gold by Frida Payne.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I love the Jackson Five. <laughs> Going Back to Indiana is my favorite Jackson Five song. So um, I think those, sign Steel Delivered, I'm Yours, mm-hmm. is um, also one of my favorites. So I think those would be the artists I would choose. I just, I'd love singing it, that to them and just dancing and, um having a good time and I'm from Michigan, so Motown.
1: My brother's from Michigan as well. So I'm quite familiar with the state. So he <laughs> lives there now. So um I have to ask this question Michigan or Ohio State?
0: Or, what? Is that even a question?
1: Uh, let me go back. Michigan <laughs> or Michigan State. That's what there I'm you
0: go. About. There you go.
1: That's what I meant to say.
0: There you go. Um, so it's Michigan State. Ooh. Barton fan.
1: Barton fan. Sorry, yeah. John. He, he's a Wolverines fan. He lives in in Ann Arbor, but um.
0: <laughs> but now Georgia Bulldogs, like that's I live in Georgia now. Uh, so uh,
1: okay, the Bulldogs, not bad, not bad, not bad at all. Um, so Allison, thank you for being on here. I do want to give you an opportunity to say one last thing to our educators out there any words of wisdom, um advice for the school year, or anything that you would like to share.
0: i I appreciate what you said earlier, too, about one step at a time. Right now, there are like so many initiatives, so many things we're supposed to teach with Fidelity, so many things like adding self-care to our to-do list. Like, no, no, just one little step at a time. What What's one little thing you can do tomorrow to move toward your own goals? Mm-hmm. And if you do that every day this year, remarkable things are going to happen. That's one. And then the other is just smile as much as possible and find joy. And if you have to abandon some curriculum to find some joy, do it because it, everybody will be better for it. Absolutely. We need to have environments where students want to be and teachers want to be.
1: Absolutely.
0: I, I appreciate what you said earlier too about one step at a time. Right now, there are like so many initiatives, so many things we're supposed to teach with fidelity, so many things like adding self-care to our to-do list. Like, no, no, just one little step at a time. What What's one little thing you can do tomorrow to move toward, your own goals Mm -hmm. and if you do that every day this year Remarkable things are going to happen.
1: The message that I gave my staff when I'll leave my audience today is try every single day to be 1% better than you were okay. yesterday. Um, so, you know, just the small things, whether smiling at somebody in the morning, opening the door. Like, I'm not a morning person. I can't stand it, but I'll go in there with a smile and, and then just make someone else feel good because you never know what that person is going through. Some housekeeping things before we go out here. Um, audience, thanks for watching us. This is our what ninth season i believe it is right now coming up on one more v10 um allison again thank you so much for being on our show we definitely appreciate you and the work that you're doing keep up the good work and and keep smiling and make people
0: happy.
1: (laughs) love it thank
0: you so much
1: you're welcome until next time everybody stay about